Beth, please could you introduce yourself and tell us a little about the work that you're presenting here at AAM. Hi, um, my name is Regina Katzenschlager. I'm a uh, professor of neurology and the head of a neurology uh, department in, in Vienna. And the work we're, we're presenting here is about a uh, study we did first, randomized placebo-controlled trial of subcutaneous apomorphine infusion therapy in patients with Parkinson's disease whose motor fluctuations are no longer well controlled on uh, oral treatments. The study is called Toledo. It was carried out in seven European countries and 23 centers um, who enrolled 107 patients with a minimum of three hours of daily off time. Uh, these patients were then randomized to either placebo or apomorphine subcutaneous infusion used for around 16 hours a day. Um, the treatment was initiated during a, a brief um, inpatient at AK's hospital stay, during which the dose was gradually increased while uh, patients' oral medication was gradually reduced. Yeah. Um, and the double-blind phase lasted for 12 weeks. The findings were that patients who had been randomized to placebo um, experienced a significantly greater reduction in their daily off-term difference between the true treatment arms was nearly two hours. It was 1.89 hours. And um, this um, reduction in off-time wasn't achieved at the expense of worsening dyskinesia. In fact, um, on-term without troublesome dyskinesia um, also showed a treatment difference of nearly two hours. And, and this effect set on rapidly, became yeah. significant after a week and was sustained throughout the study. And it was reflected in the patient's self-assessment. So the uh, patient global impression of change was significantly in favor of apomorphine. Um, and with respect to safety and tolerability, mm -hmm. the, the spectrum as well as the frequency of the adverse effects that were observed were uh, what had been expected based on clinical experience with this uh, drug. The largest number of observed adverse events were related to the infusion site, mm. uh, mostly erythema and nodule formation in, in nearly 60% of the apomorphine patients, followed by um, sleepiness, nausea and dyskinesia. Um, so nothing, un, no unexpected yeah, yeah. safety mm. signal there at all. Um, so what, 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 the reason why we felt this study had to be done mm. with a treatment that has been in use for more than 25 years was really that um, there are currently 23 countries where apomorphine infusion is licensed and is being used. And those physicians who do use it um, have all made that ex experience that it's very helpful. Mm. Um, but since the data from a large randomized study has so far been lacking, yeah. mm. the treatment was never included in standard um, treatment guidelines, especially mm. evidence-based medicine reviews. Um, so there really was a need yeah. for, for this treatment to have its efficacy shown in a large randomized study. Mm. So that's really interesting, those results, and it seems like there was a, a big need for them there. So how do you anticipate that these findings could change the way that physicians prescribe apomorphine? 
Well, we hope that um, these findings will uh, give some reassurance to those mm -hmm. clinicians who do not yet have experience with it mm. and uh, they will uh, use it um, mm. and that they will prescribe uh, the treatment and ultimately that it will become available to patients in those countries where it is not yet mm. licensed. Great. And say so what are the next steps for your research? The Toledo study had two parts really. The, what we're presenting here is the results of the double blind phase. Um, and this was followed by a 52 week open label observational mm. study, mainly focusing on again safety but also long term um, efficacy. Mm. And this study is currently ongoing. Okay, great. And so now, uh, more generally, how do you hope that the, the Parkinson's therapy landscape might shift in the next decade or so? Um, well, what we're ultimately all hoping for is that something will be identified mm. that can actually go to the, the heart of the, of the matter yeah, of and um, halt or even reverse the underlying neurodegenerative um, process. There are a few approaches, um, including, again, stem cells potentially. Mm. Um, there, there is, a, there are immunological approaches. Mm. There is a vaccination being investigated. So several um, po possibilities, yeah. but we can't really tell yet whether any of those will ultimately lead to that goal. Great, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this podcast from NeuroCentral. You can find more podcasts, plus the latest news, free journal articles, interviews and opinion pieces from across neurology and neuroscience at www.neuro-central.com.